Welcome to the Social Feed Podcast. I'm your host, Missy. Thank you for listening. In December, we podcasted from our biggest event of the year, the Hubbard Digital Academy at Mall of America. Um, For those of you who haven't heard about Hubbard Digital Academy, it's a one-day marketing event that includes sessions on Facebook advertising, videography, design, SEO, pay-per-click, and so much more. If this piques your interest, you can learn more about it at HubbardDigitalAcademy.com. We are planning our next one, so... We are, yes, for the spring. TBD, but yeah, we are planning another one. We mix it up a bit with this podcast and spent a few minutes with a variety of marketers and business owners at our event. Yeah, we had a lot of different business owners and marketers at our event, and a lot of them stopped by the table. We had... B2B business owners. Uh, we had self-published authors who are trying to get more into the publishing business. We had a, a painting slash remodeling company. We had a lot of different people. One lady even showed up and she's got like a, a monthly subscription newsletter with different horoscopes and new age spirituality built into it and wants to expand that business. So it was, it was a very varied, very varied conversation, but it was a lot of fun. We sat down and we talked with all of them and asked them what their biggest business hurdles were for 2019. I was joined by Ruth Tambernino and Sam O'Byrne, who are digital brand strategists here at Hubbard Interactive, along with our producer, Pat Lager. So let's get into this week's episode number 66, how to plan your 2019 marketing strategy. We talked to Rebecca Wagshide. She's a digital marketing specialist in the association management industry. And we asked her what her biggest marketing challenge for 2019 was. We are finding that our biggest challenge going forward in the year is brand awareness. We work with a lot of not-for-profit associations, not necessarily 501Cs where they're doing fundraising, um, but a lot of uh, trade associations that have where you'd be um, a member of a professional association. And so uh, we're finding a lot, the biggest issue we're having is brand awareness um, because it's such a niche market for each of our clients. And then engagement. Right. Are you talking about brand awareness for your clients or for you guys? For our clients. Okay. Um, we have awareness around our own brand, um, but it's really focusing more on the not-for-profit sector, and it's a really, really niche market. So what current marketing initiatives are you doing right now? So is it like, are you doing social media right now? Do you have a Facebook page or do those brands have Facebook pages? Yeah, uh, majority of our clients have, uh, that we do digital marketing for, do have Facebook pages. We're doing paid campaigns, email campaigns. Oh, okay. Um, and we're really, a uh, majority of our brands are very active on LinkedIn and Facebook because that's where you're finding a lot of the professionals. Um, we do have uh, some clients who do very well on Twitter. Uh, but not really paid strategy on there. It's more mm-hmm. of just general awareness. And then we are breaking into Instagram for a few of our clients. With trade associations, you're looking at a, a wider demographic and for some of them, an older demographic. Right. And are you running ads then you mentioned on Facebook and LinkedIn? Uh, yes. Gotcha. And how have those been performing so far? Mixed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard to say because it's a, a mixed performance, but we are running some A-B testing. Okay. I would say just for brand awareness, just basically a digital billboard with using, you know, ads online. You can identify people based on what they do for a living, what Mm -hmm. their job title is, or certainly within a geo. uh, And just when they're online, 
hit them with display ads with a message mm-hmm. hoping you know to try and get that awareness out I was just gonna say display ads would be perfect because for branding those are great and then also you're already doing it the Facebook and LinkedIn advertising right and making sure that you have the same messaging for display as you do on the Facebook and LinkedIn pages too. I, I was wondering if a TrueView campaign could work for some of your clients especially if they've got a CEO who's willing to be on camera or somebody in their or that organization that not-for-profit who's willing to be on camera just to a quick 30 seconds here's what we do and we want you to be involved sort of video that's a great idea do you want to talk a little more about what TrueView is yeah so TrueView is um, basically the YouTube video ads that you see before the video that you really want to see but we've run a lot of really really successful TrueView video ads and the great thing about TrueView video ads is you don't pay for it unless people watch the whole thing so if you create a 30 second ad and somebody skips it, you know, like you can after five or six seconds, you don't have to pay for that or your client doesn't have to pay for that. But the people that actually watch to the end of the video who who care about the message of the video, obviously, then you're, you're paying for that impression. Um, so it's they've performed really well for us. Great and it, branding. It's a, it's a yeah. great strategy to get your client on camera a face for their brand too so you've got brand awareness and you've got a face to it which would be really helpful i think right oh that's fantastic yeah, yeah you get a lot of uh, free branding like pat said because if somebody watches 25 seconds of the video you you just got in front of that person for free because oh. it's only at that 30 second mark that oh, wow. you actually pay and there is a display ad component to it right yes so there's a, an ad that would kind of hang on that right hand rail so even if that person did skip out they are still seeing the name of of your client and the message there um, through the the next video that they were intending to watch so there's a and that's also kind of that call to action as well Mm -hmm. trying to get them to maybe go to the website or at least watch the video so yeah and then you can also use those videos in a lot of different ways as well put those on your website use them in your digital ad and your Mm -hmm. social ads Mm -hmm. yeah and Pat, with video, would you like? Are you would it have to be like a fully produced video, or could like you do something on your iPhone? Like, what's the best way to go about that? For a TrueView ad, I would recommend a little bit higher production value. Um, I I wouldn't say a cell phone is out of the question, but it, it was, as long as it's on a tripod and somebody's not holding it and shaky, you know, shaky <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but for a TrueView ad, it's it's nice to get a logo in there in the first few seconds for that brand awareness yes. right away. And so if you have the capability to edit a video yourself or have them do it or hire somebody just it, it doesn't have to be some you know multi-thousand dollar investment into production but for true view i definitely think production value matters definitely fantastic thanks rebecca yeah, thank you thank you another guest we had on was jude heimel she's a publisher and author and had just finished writing a book and we asked her what her biggest marketing challenge for 2019 was Well, let me say that I'm an author and publisher, and I've just written my first book this summer. Congratulations. How? thank you. It was really quite an achievement. But then there's the author, and I've done the book, and it's ready, and it's on Amazon.com, but now I have to promote it, and that's my big challenge for 2019. How am I going to do that? Digital marketing is very foreign to me, mm-hmm. so I don't know where to start. Um, one thing, and I'll just speak on social media um, with that. Oh, mm-hmm. and she has the book right here, I which know. is perfect. Um, I would definitely recommend, do you have a website that you've created? I do. Um, so with your website, one thing I would recommend is driving traffic to the website to get people to obviously sign up and learn more about the book. So I would recommend doing Facebook website traffic ads and then having pictures, like your cover here of your book, and we'll um, put a link to all of this on the show notes in our, so you guys can check this out. Um, but the link here would be really great to have on the website. 
website. Yeah, this looks like a great uh, book for dog lovers. Absolutely. Which I'm a big fan of dogs. I'm going to probably have to pick this up. $15, yeah. Nice. I brought a couple of copies today. Smart. Very smart. Yeah, I mean, I would say that... um, you know, a, a Google AdWords campaign might be a way to go, um, especially for like um, the gifts, you know, gifts, giving giving this as a gift to someone for um, Christmas. You know, you could yeah. set up a cat uh, AdWords campaign that's geared towards um, maybe people who are looking for books about dogs or things like that. Um, so you can get really specific with keywords and um, not, it wouldn't be a huge investment probably if you kept it really niche to kind of the topics of the books. But that would be something where um, a person who's looking for books that are related to the, the um, you know, the topic of your book so are is, searching and then the, your ad would show up. Is the granularity of the choices around the ads, like the interest column, is it uh, down to dogs? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And okay. Yeah, and then, that would be perfect for this mm-hmm, one. Yes, mm-hmm. you, could, uh, you could also extend that with um, display ads where it's more of a branding campaign. What is a display ad? So it's, a, it's an ad online um, that would appear on websites that people are browsing. And that would happen, that would be dispersed through Google? Is that what yeah, you're saying? Uh-huh. Yeah, and so what we would do is we would likely target dog owners. Mm-hmm. And um, and when they're shopping online or just researching or just doing whatever they do online, we identify, oh, this dog lover is online and they're on CNN, for example. Let's show an ad for this book and see if they engage with it and they can go to your website. Can we? Can you buy it off the website or do you need to go to Amazon to buy it? or Off of Amazon. Oh, okay. Do you have, do you have a Facebook page for... No, it- well, I have a Facebook personal page. I will next be building my Facebook business page. Okay, yeah, yeah cuz that would be I, amazing. I would say with the content being geared towards dog lovers, that's prime content that you can put out on Facebook that people are going to love and you might not even have to put a whole lot of money behind it just because of the type of content you could put out for, you know, pets and animals do really well on social oh, yeah. media oh, and the yeah. internet yeah. and so <laughs> yes. um, if you can make a business page and um, get get some of your friends and um, anybody who's read the book on that page to start helping you share the content that you put out on that page, that's a really good place just to start with organic content. So you think organic might still work because of the content area? Oh, for sure. Yeah, anytime we do campaigns that have puppies or um, <laughs> or babies, mm-hmm. it's it's a win. Yeah, we've never. <laughs> usually people, businesses are a little more trickier than that. But it's like, yeah. yep, yep. dogs, got it. And um, just reading the story on the back of this a little bit more too, I mean, you have, I mean, it's, yes. a, it's a book, it's a great story. So what I would recommend doing is some Facebook Lives. Yes. Where when you have a business page, you can actually go live. So as you start getting a bigger audience on your Facebook page, um, it'll send a notification to everyone who likes your page saying that you're going live right now. And you can share little snippets and teasers from your book. Yeah. And people can then go watch it on your Facebook page. I haven't heard of that. Is that like a podcast? Um, um, it's a visual. So mm-hmm. it's Facebook Live. It's so more you of a would video just, component. With your phone, right? You yep, can with just, your phone. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you could just read, read a snippet of the book. And yeah. I think that would be really cool. I think that'd yeah. be awesome. You could read it and then at the end say, you know, if you want more. Tune in here. Yeah. But, well, thank you so much. This is amazing. Well, put a link um, on our social feed podcast website to the book linking back to your website too um, thanks so much for talking about us about your marketing goals thank you we had with us Glenn Rank and Morgan Bull who are in the property management industry and are building a brand new location here in the Twin Cities and we asked them what their biggest marketing challenge for 2019 was 
2019 is actually going to be a big year for us. We're bringing our biggest project up to date. Most of our uh, experience is in student housing, but we're actually bringing up a project in Lexington, Minnesota, which is near Circle Pines. Oh. It's going to be the largest, um, largest development we've ever done. So we're going to have 150, approximately 150 units in Lexington on a campus there. And our biggest challenge at this point is going to be to lease it out. Um, we're just we're just learning a lot of this um, digital marketing at this point in time. And so do you have social media pages established for this new development? Yep. So we've got Facebook and we've also got an Instagram as well as kind of just a pop-up page and working on creating kind of the main page for uh, the Ephesians. And what made you pick that specific area, yeah, that's Circle what Pines? I was wondering. We actually own a smaller building in that area. This is going to be part of the same campus. Okay. And what we've done is we're building a 100 100 unit building next to a 50 unit building basically we're going to be rebranding and changing the existing building a bit and we're also bringing up the new building that the property itself is going to be the ephesians at lexington okay and so what's supporting that kind of growth in that area is there businesses nearby that where a lot of these residents would be working or just trying to understand the demographic a little bit so that we can be a little more helpful in how you would market to them i believe there's there there are a lot of changes going on in the area they they have enlarged a park and ride right out there that mm. brings people directly into the into downtown minneapolis okay. oh, nice. very quickly they're extending the lanes uh, and, and out into that to Lake Drive, which is, right. which is what this is off, on 35W going north from the Twin Cities. So there's going to be easier access to the Twin Cities from this area. Okay. That, and there really isn't much going on there as far as um, market rate rentals. One thing that jumped me right away when you mentioned about the area was potentially doing some like mobile conquesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Specifically, you know, drawing radiuses around the certain areas and pockets of that community and targeting with ads about this new property that and showing and definitely showcasing in those ads the pictures or maybe even some video components of the location. And then are you going to be doing any specials or promotions when your building opens? We will have we will have uh, deals as such going on. We generally will will work on specific uh, targets for those deals we we when we brought up our last building which is close to the university of minnesota we brought it up a month early and gave a free month's rent we would oh, nice. do many yes. of those types of things in, in filling the building because i think that would be great to utilize in you know facebook advertising and instagram advertising and then maybe some mobile conquesting as well yeah i would think google adwords as well would be you know for people who are actually they're actively looking uh and we can you know you could set up that you know, within a 10 mile radius or a 15, 20 mile radius of the, the location. Um, that would be, you know, people who are searching for rentals literally on Google moving. Um, we can also target people who are in market to move. Uh, the, the concern I would have with that, uh, with like display ads, the concern I would have with that is they might be looking to move into a single family home. So you're wasting a lot of impressions, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so Google AdWords, I would think, would be a kind of a no brainer. Have you used yeah. that bef- with your other properties? Doing AdWords? 
Um, a little bit for our Dinky Town properties. Okay, I would I would say that, and social would probably be the. I mean, the the mobile conquesting is a great idea. You can target specific locations, so it could be certain office buildings that people that work there might benefit from living in your community, or it could be people who are living at other rental properties currently and trying to entice them like hey maybe it's an older building and so you're trying to entice them to come over yeah. because it's Upgrade. more going to be more yeah, <laughs> Upgrade yeah campaign. So, mm-hmm. different ways that you can leverage that as well um, and I don't know if you guys were in the Facebook ad session earlier but you can go on check out those other competitors rental properties and go into the info and ads tab and see if they're running any specials or Facebook ads right now so that might give you some um, competitor insight I'll call it to see what ads they're doing in that area thank you so much for yeah, being thanks on thank you guys so much thank you we had with us Wendy Norton. She's a design consultant for Painterati and Brushmasters here in the Twin Cities. And we asked her what her biggest marketing challenge was for 2019. The biggest challenge is me just coming up to speed with learning marketing. <laughs> really? <laughs> All the time talking to you. Right. Exactly. And then um, mostly what I'm doing right now is writing fresh content in our blogs, kind of downloading the information we have. What's new with paint? That kind of thing. And understanding what I can do to get people finding our page. How um, can I be really concise with getting as much um, perfect information on a blog post that's going to get found? Kind of looking in that direction. Yeah. So uh, the general rule of thumb is that a blog should be somewhere between 250 and 500 words. Oh, that's good so it know. doesn't have to be a novel, okay. um, but it needs to be, um, you know, informative enough that it's, it's not... Uh, that it's a good user experience. Um, I would say um, if you're looking for examples, completely different industries, um, but you could look like we work with Associated Skincare, mm-hmm. one of our clients that we write blogs for. You could go on there and see how we write them and how you can kind of see the keywords and how we could put those in there okay. just for ideas. Yeah. Um, that would be one client that would be, um, you know, obviously totally different industry. Uh, we have Gosh, I don't know how many SEO clients we have, so I have other examples I could probably share with sure. you after. But um, when you're writing them, what are you looking for to actually put that rich snippet together? So what we're what we do is we come up with quarterly content calendars, mm-hmm. and each one is focused on a specific keyword or set of keywords. Okay. And so when you kind of come at it from that angle, then you build the copy around that specific um, keyword or set of keywords, and it helps you kind of define what the content Stay would be. focused. Yes, because um, it's easy, as you know, to get off on right. a tangent or in la-la land and it didn't help you at all. I mean, right. the fresh content will help you regardless. Right. But what you're looking for is, you know, um, linking um, specific, like for instance, if you were writing about what's new in paint, mm-hmm. you might add uh, linked keywords about the specific name of the paint. That like, what's the that's the color this year or whatever. Right, right. We actually in uh, that SEO presentation, we had those chiropractic keywords, right. and that was a real life example of a client that we were working with um, that we do work with as a chiropractor, obviously, mm-hmm. and they they thought chiropractor Twin Cities would be. We got to get that key. We got to come up right. number one for that. Well, it turned out there was no search People volume for that. that way. Nobody right. puts in Twin Cities. So it's more about near me or whatnot. Um, so I think using some of those tools maybe to figure out um, what are the, the hot keywords. topic keywords right now in the marketplace. You have a good sense of 
what's hot in paint. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you could run your website through some of those tools and see if that gives you any direction. Just brought up, just some of the yep. keyword search tools. Yep. yep. What right. about voice search? Have we done any like optimization for voice search with we, stuff? We have. That's becoming more and more important and um, and will continue to. I mean, the, the way SEO looks today is going to be completely different. You know, really? in the very near future, because okay. it voice because you search by voice differently than you're typing into your computer, mm-hmm. and right. so right now we're mostly in a computer typing Google world, but it's not going to be too long when almost everybody's got a Amazon Echo or Google right. Home in in their house or just use their phone by voice, mm-hmm. and the way you search for that is going to be different, and what. Google's going to serve up or Amazon's going to serve up as far as the result is going to be different too. So you could... So how is it going to be different? Is it just based more on natural language then or is it... It's based more on natural language and it's looking for more readable snippets. Like right now, if you search, it's probably going to pull up Wikipedia for a lot of things because they've got like an overview at the top of every single article. And then that's what Google will read as the search result. So in addition to writing the, you know, the blog that in, in putting enough content in there, there's got to be enough of uh, introduction, enough of an overview at the you know at the top of it that Google can find and read quickly to somebody. But then there's obviously much more to the post for somebody sure. to go and see on their computer. But just in more natural language. So instead of us yes. being very cryptic when we're asking for things, we're going to become much more natural and then it's going to be more of a community or more of a... Definitely. Oh, do we have the Minnesota accent? Do we have to include this stuff? I think that would be important. I think we should. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we should. I think that our uh, GPS... The people right. that live in the phone and tell us where to go should have different accents and different, like, <laughs> you know, you look great you today. Your hair turned out. <laughs> Don't you know? I do. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. The little. And then, are, did you guys talk about Answer the Public in your presentation? No, that's, so, oh, thank you. One really great site to go to is um, Answer the Public. And what it does is, because, you know, you, you, you know the brand and you know, think, oh, I get this question a lot. This would be a great blog topic. But this actually takes, like, what people are actually typing into Google. So if you type in, I just did painting, for example. Right. And it'll show you all of the different searches people are doing. No so kidding. this is a great way oh, yeah, to determine idea. what blog, answerthepublic.com, free tool, and you type in whatever keyword you want, and then it gives you things that you should be focusing on focusing on for your blogs. That helps immensely. Yeah. That right there is your content for the year. There you exactly. go. Oh, yeah, that's oh, yeah. definitely. That's a couple years. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it, it, worth anything. the price of admission, folks. <laughs> <laughs> right that's there. great to hear. Yeah. So, but thank you so much for coming on. Yes. Thank you. You Hopefully guys are amazingly helpful. helpful. Barb Dahl stopped by to have a conversation. She's a realtor and moving to a brand new area where she doesn't know anyone. And we asked her what her biggest marketing challenge was for 2019. I need to start start my business from scratch in an area where I know no one. (laughs) So for a realtor, that's kind of a big deal. Right. I know the next door neighbor, really, but he already owns a house. (laughs) So, So that's my challenge. And, and so do you already have a, a real estate, um, like a broker that you're connecting with? or um, Not in the area, but I I do have a broker, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I was just wondering if you're going to be part of a team up there or if, if that would help. No, I'll be a solo agent. You're going to do your own thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Going solo. All yeah. right. What's the market um, as far as realtors up there already? Are there a ton up there? No, there are not. There's um, less than 300 realtors in that Glenwood area. Alexandria area so not a lot and you know statistically there's only a few agents that do most of the work so I feel like I have a great shot yeah well and you've got experience right Right. so it's not like you're starting out in the business you're just starting in a new market right so that's good exactly 
So Ruth, I know you have a realtor background. So yes. what did you like? Have you ever experienced this before in your past? Well, I was in new construction, so a little bit different. But it's right. still all about relationships, as you know, which is why the fact that you don't know anybody right, is is right. Ma- keeping you up at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think telling your story and your experience and why you um, could translate whether you're new to the area or not, right? I mean, a house is a house. Right. Um, it's just different. Learning the market is going to be something you're going to need to do, but as far as figuring out how to buy and sell, that's going to be right. Do you have you know. a like social media page right now for I, yourself? Well, I do. Um, I have a website, and I do a lot on my Facebook real estate page, but that's about it. So my goal is to drive it, try to drive people to either my website or my Facebook. Is that that's a business Facebook page, right? right? Okay, mm-hmm. not your personal. <laughs> yes. Because <Yeah. laughs> I can see that could be a huge thing in you know doing some targeted ads around that area, specifically ads with your face on it, so they can get to know yeah. you. Maybe it's a little um, video component, just kind of introducing you to the neighborhood, talking about your story and why you're coming to the area. Another thing, and first, why don't you go ahead and tell us what's the, the URL for your website? It's barbcellsmn.com. Barbcellsmn.com. Okay, great. Nice. So what I would say for that is um, one thing that could be really worthwhile is writing the story of why you're moving and putting that on your website. Okay. So including in there some of those local keywords so that you can show people, again, why you're there, what that is. And that also tells Google, hey, we're, you know, I'm here and I'm I'm looking for people in this particular market. Okay. And mm-hmm. along with that, basically the same story. You could write the story out and then read it. Do a video of that same story. You could put that on the on the same page on your website so people can either watch the video or read it. And you can use that on social media, which would be great. You could use that on YouTube. You could put that video everywhere and it's the same content that you've already written as far as your story. Okay. But I think what Missy said about getting your face out there, I think that's personalizing who you are and uh, so people know your face is a, is a big deal. Yeah, if you have like, you know, pets or anything, like oh, doing it in definitely. your house, like just okay. doing a video that's very, um, you know, personable fun. and yeah. fun and not just like a white background. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, keep in mind that you want to think about your audience. So while it is a, it's your story, um, try to think about what do I want that uh person to walk away with, which would be your experience, maybe the number of homes you've sold, um, just different things that set you apart and try and weave those into that so that uh, I would have a reason to call you if I was thinking about moving. Okay. Would you recommend, since my page, most my Facebook page mostly concentrates on this area, would you recommend also incorporating more of that area into this or doing a separate page for that area or wouldn't you like do a teaser like hey i'm coming to alexandria like you know coming soon you could probably do something i would keep the page you have and just add to it i would start a new page because you never know if those people might be wanting to look into that area or maybe they start seeing the houses that you're you're showing there or they have family up there yeah i mean there's so many connections that i wouldn't want to you know separate those from each other okay i know video is a big thing and i just haven't been comfortable yet doing Mm -hmm. that but i'm looking forward to your to your class. Yeah. um, No pressure, Pat. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) And a lot of people aren't um, comfortable getting in front of a camera. So, I mean, that you're certainly not, uh, we have a a lot of people that are like, oh, I'll do a podcast, but I'm not doing a video. (laughs) So, um, I think it's a matter of just desensitizing yourself to it and maybe doing some Facebook lives or just practicing practicing (laughs) and just, you know, being less, it it does cause anxiety. If you've got a script prepared or it's your personal story, so that's, that's a good intro video to do when you're not trying to, you're not trying to sell, you're not trying to talk about these certain things. You're just telling 
telling about yourself and why you're moving to Alexandria. Okay. So, If you could get um, maybe some clients to give you testimonial on video while okay. you're here in the cities, that would be a cool thing to do too. Yeah, testimonial there. Love and, that idea. And to write, yes. write a review on your Facebook page too mm-hmm. will, okay. will definitely help. All right, mm-hmm. great ideas. Thank you thank so much. You. Yeah, thank, thank you guys, you. I appreciate it. Another marketer we talked to was Susan Adams Lloyd. She's the CEO of Better Business Bureau of Minnesota and North Dakota. And we asked her what her biggest marketing challenge was for 2019. We're a hundred plus year old organization that for many people over the age of 50 who know Better Business Bureau and who adhered to the old practice of having a run-in with a business or as a business having a run-in with a consumer. And people would call us and chat and we'd gather information. We'd go after the bad guys, Uh agnostic about whether it's uh, business or consumers. There are sometimes bad businesses. Well, sometimes there's nutty consumers. So we help businesses and consumers on both sides getting information in front of them. But now in the days of the World Wide Web where people are seemingly able to get information from everywhere, and anywhere, especially rated information or, or <coughs> reviews reviews, and mm-hmm. so on, people might think that that information out there on the web is the best source, whereas we like to think Better Business Bureau because we vet that information and work hard to substantiate the sources that indeed we are the best place that people can turn to for business. So I lay that out there. Yeah. <laughs> there you I go. Mean, I, challenge. Wow, yeah, yeah no problem. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really do think that a big part of whatever marketing campaign you do needs to have the education piece involved because I totally agree with you in being in the millennial age range. You know, there's Yelp and there's Google and there's all of these sites out there and you look at them and I mean, fake news has never been so big as it is now Mm -hmm. across social media and just the internet in general. So to have someone where you guys are, you know, really you're a touch point and you're you're checking in and you're making sure this is legit and you, I love how you mentioned about the consumer versus the business side because sometimes you got some crazy customers too you know it's not always just the business so I love that you guys are kind of that that middleman and you're, you work between both of them so I think just really educating people and you know true view I mean we talked about this earlier like video just is able to tell such a powerful story so I think true a true view campaign could be a really great way to show that yeah I, I agree with Missy um, I think the big thing here is actually to a point that you made is you know educating the consumers on that you are a trusted source and focusing on those differences you have with those other platforms where it might be a tertiary um, thing for them you know Google's primary focus isn't reviews that's just a tertiary thing for them so whereas you guys since you are you do have teams that actually go in and help manage those complaints or manage what's what's actually happening after that's that's where you need to focus on those differences and of course I'm sure you know as you already know having different messaging for those different audiences so the messaging for those consumers about how you can help them when they do have a negative experience especially young consumers who may have no idea where they can turn um, you know getting that message out there in a easy to digest way um, like Missy said like video would be a good way to tell that short story. I'll jump in and and say, I think the great thing about what you're doing is you've got no shortage of actual stories to tell, whether you're talking about business stories or consumer stories. So somehow getting those stories from the consumers, whether it be in review form or talking to the accredited businesses that you work with. And even if it's just a short, um, quote that you can put up as a social media post, somehow, tie in storytelling to pretty much everything that you're doing because everyone's going to resonate with 
the stories that you tell, from whether it's a business story because we've all interacted with businesses or our business owners ourselves or work at a business and then we're all consumers at the same time. So telling those great stories of how BBB has impacted their interaction as a consumer or as a business owner and you could do that I mean, video is the first thing that comes to my mind, but you can do it in short, like, quote, social media posts. You could, if you wanted to run a display ad campaign or something like that, you could use those. Pretty much any medium works really well if you've got a good story to tell, and I don't think you have a problem with, mm-hmm. shouldn't have a problem finding good stories to tell. Well, we definitely have great stories to tell, and I love the idea of being more visual about it. I think BBB as a history has been an organization that has published a lot of words. So in sitting at the Digital Academy forums this morning, thinking about what I was listening to, and that is that uh, less words and more pictures or more video might be a way for us to prove, if you will, in a more authentic way, the, the information that we're trying to tell. Yep. Yeah, that's a good idea. And I think that creating a lot of those kind of short form pieces to draw people in and tell those stories will lead them to engaging more with the longer form content. That's one thing that uh, we often hear a lot about complaints about millennials is that, well, they don't, they don't have any, they never pay attention to stuff anyways. They, you know, they're just on their phones. Sam, they look, come at, on. look at things for 10 seconds and they move on. Um, but I can, I can mute you. <laughs> hey, I'm a millennial too. Um, but for what it's worth, that's um, kind of a, a, a small view of it. Because a lot of times, yes, millennials do engage more with short form content. But if they if they can be drawn in by that short form content, that doesn't mean they wouldn't continue to read or continue to research more. So having those those small snippets and those small stories to draw them in, and then you can give them the real information about why you're better and why you're um, why it's important to work with you. Uh, will will be a long-term success. Thanks so much, Susan, for sharing your business. Thank you. Thanks for letting me share. Jolene Kalkuski and Mary Booth are on the marketing team for Brighton Hospice. The hospice industry is very unique, and they wanted advice on how to help them stand out. And we asked them what their biggest marketing challenge was for 2019. Our single biggest challenge or challenges would be first really cultivating a strong brand recognition. Mm-hmm. Super timely with the, with one of the breakouts we just sat in on. Um, I think we do a pretty good job right now. Um, we have a beautiful logo um, of which we can actually take a portion of that because a portion of our logo is a flower, which we can really... Um, we can really transpose that into different promotional or print items, which mm-hmm. is something we really want to focus on in the new year and cultivate that brand recognition for the people we're trying to reach. Secondly, would be portraying ourselves as a premier healthcare provider. We do work in healthcare, specifically senior services. Mm-hmm. We want to portray ourselves as really the best. We know we're very, very good at what we do. We work mm-hmm. with incredibly talented medical professionals. And we want to we want to highlight them as much as possible and really show the public and the key demographic, which oddly enough, are female aged 45 to 65. They're mm-hmm. the adult children, typically the decision makers for an aging parent when it comes to the healthcare path that they want to take. Mm-hmm. So how can yep. we really portray ourselves in the social media medium that branches out so broadly as yes. being the premier provider? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's hospice care. It's such a right. weird. And I'm marketing, and I'm saying this is a weird thing to market. <laughs> you should have heard my husband when I told him I was first getting into this line of work. When he's mm-hmm. like, "Wait, you're 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 doing what? You're marketing what?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it can be kind of a joke. However, it is so important. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. So important for people like Jolene and I and the rest of our amazing team to be out and really building those relationships 
in such a highly relational field. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that any of the marketing that we could help you with would would ever replace the value of the community liaison that you are. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's definitely ways we can augment that, you know, with just general display campaign Mm -hmm. um, could be that overall just brand awareness. Because as you know, you don't know when people are going to find themselves needing your services. And so kind of getting your name out there just in a general way. I mean, we can target age, you know, age range um, mm-hmm. and, and geo to try and keep that uh, a little more contained, but it's a pretty broad audience that you're trying to hit, right, yep. with your name. So what I would say is I'd building off of Ruth, I would try and segment that audience a little bit too. So get, you know, for those who are planning for the future where they know they might need to put somebody in hospice care in the not too distant future where they have the time to do the research and really sit down and, and pick and choose, you might do a campaign geared towards them. But you're also going to want to make sure that you're addressing those people who are in the at need phase where, oh my gosh, uh, we took her to the hospital and she came out with an infection and we can't handle this where they weren't planning on that ahead of time where it's an in the moment, they're at need, making sure that you're there when they are looking. Um, so I would say that one of the big places to do that is, you know, the, the first part, that branding, you can do through things like Facebook. You can build your name recognition and whatnot through Facebook, but making sure you're in front of them when the moment of need um, really does, uh, is a little bit tougher. You know, I would say focusing on making sure that everything you do is mobile friendly, because a lot of times they might be sitting in the hospital searching for your services right then and there make, on a cell phone, making sure that you have a presence that can be read there. Um, exactly. Making sure that you're easy to contact, obviously, yes. and easy to set up and and helping uh, people understand that it's easy to work with you and this is a process that, that you're there to help with um, is another piece of it. Having, I, I've worked with people and or with organizations and similar um, services in the past so um, I would say that making sure you capitalize on those people who are at need. Oftentimes doing advertisements through um, Google's pay-per-click or through search ads can be really effective for that um, and you don't need a big budget either because you have a relatively tight um, geo. You know, you're not going to be you're not going to be servicing people who are you know living 80 miles from you. You're, they're likely all be coming within a, a relatively small area so exactly. you don't need to spend a ton of money there but making sure that you are there when they when they do that search is gonna be really important for a business like yours what about um, and I'm not the expert in this area but what about like a retargeting campaign just to keep keep the brand top of mind after they do you know that first ad gets them to your site but then you guys are the experts so I'll I'll throw that back to you <laughs> yeah when you do a display campaign we can certainly retarget people who have visited your website uh, and depending on which page they last were on, we could change the messaging so that, I mean, there's there would be a lot of strategy behind how how do you do that in the right way. In your space, you also have to be careful with that because um, a lot of times people need the service right away, but then they wouldn't need it 60 days from now or 100 days from now for various reasons. Right, right. Um, so I would say that making sure that if you do retargeting or you do any form of advertising like that where you're trying to recollect the same people, you set caps on that. You, do, you don't have them continue to serve, so you're not spending extra money that you don't need to spend. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So setting frequency caps on those can be really effective. And, and it can avoid an, an awkward um, feeling of the user on the other end where, say, they were looking for a service and then their f- loved one passed away. You don't want to be continually reminding them of, of exactly. that. Exactly. Yep. So you want to be, so whenever you do retargeting, I would say I'd always be conscious of not showing it more than maybe four or six times after being to the site. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think that's extremely relevant to, um, to not only the education portion of what we do primarily, um, but, you know, for our families, certainly um, the, their grieving process, mm-hmm. right, is mm-hmm. something that's, that's relevant. Um, so I think that's really great advice. Thank you. 
Marsha Judd is the owner of Spirit Times. And when she first came to us, we really had to dive into what Spirit Times exactly was. So she explains to us a little bit more about her business and what her biggest marketing challenges are for 2019. SpiritTimes.net is a new age digital publisher. We're exclusively online. So uh, currently we just have a lot of free content in blogs. I do two blogs a month and I'll be expanding that with with writers. Um, To be monetized will be paid monthly subscription newsletter and in my other life um, in writing about technology and big data um, I wanted to apply that to to aggregate future forecast information from um, leading intuitives uh, astrologists numerologists and so-called cosmic energy readers of what's ahead for your month. Um, Does anybody know Susan Miller of Astrology Zone? Um, Well, you can go there for a great monthly horoscope. So it wouldn't be like your horoscope if you're a Aquarius, Virgo, Gemini, but it would be generally here's going what's going on with planetary forces. Mm-hmm. So it would be forward looking for the month ahead and it would have numerology and other uh-huh. information. Um, so I'm looking to monetize that hopefully in 2019, but to do that, yeah. So your big thing is really followers. website traffic, getting people to your page or and building your following mm-hmm. to monetize. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, this is just so interesting. Like I love some of the articles and I pulled up, you know, like things like how to stop negative self-talk and, you know, just more of that spiritual mindset. Yes. Spiritual development, growth, personal growth, mm-hmm. um, kind of starting with the highlight there. And then I do my free monthly forecast articles. Jumping in, what I would say one of the biggest pitfalls we see with people when they try to make that transition from, you know, free content to um, you know, paid content or trying to make that switches. I'd say focus on the audience group who you know you can benefit the most. If your bread and butter right now is um, sticking to you know cosmology and some of those areas, yeah. stick to what you know well and what your audience is already reading. Okay. I'd say at least for the time being, you know, don't try and spread yourself too thin and try and have eight balls in the air. If you oh. can just start with one, grow that audience, and then incorporate others as you go. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. You had also mentioned that some of um, those other like you know um, it's like. Uh, what was the name? The Su- Susan? Oh, Susan Miller of Astrology Susan Miller Zone. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Um, you mentioned her, so I'm sure that they, she probably has a large following on social media. So if you can find other people in that category that you look up to or aspire to be or maybe are, you know, could potentially be a competitor mm-hmm. for what you're doing, I would check out and see if you can target their Facebook pages. Because oh. you can actually search for um, other competitors' pages and target people who like those pages. Oh, so that would be I a did great not way know that. To yeah, kind of hit, oh, the, hit the nail okay, on the head great. with that one. Okay. You bet. Really, anything you can do to define that audience and reach out to them more directly is going to be a is going to be a benefit for you. And Facebook is a great place to start with that. Same same with Instagram. It has a ton of that exact same kind of content that you're looking for. And if you can target followers of that content um, through those mediums, you're going to be able to grow your audience. Okay. And if great. there's any like partnerships too, like if there's some other industries that you could partner with, and maybe they have a social media following, because then if you can tap in with each other, that will help you start to really grow. And, mm-hmm. and go from there. Um, and then the biggest thing, again, okay. with your, yes. your website is, you know, going to be traffic to help monetize. Yep. So website traffic ads, whether that's display, yeah. Facebook ads, Instagram ads, mm-hmm. um, anything along those lines. And 
and from your um, presentation this morning, Missy, yeah. do you think I would want awareness or conversion? I, I mean, do, without a monetized product yet, I'm I not ready traffic. to launch. Tra- traffic. traffic. What's yep. that under? That would be under consideration. Consideration. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Because ads, you're in an area that like a lot of people like know about the overall, you know, vibe of that, but you want to start getting to know, learn about your brand specifically. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's very helpful because my business model will be that I will um, pay the my professional intuitives that are contributing to my paid monthly mm-hmm. content, and some of that has to be worked out um, about the exact model, but I'll probably have three, maybe four contributors per month, and they rotate each year, and mm-hmm. with the power of social media, they can tell their followers, yes. hey, I'm now a contributor to this newsletter subscription, mm-hmm. and I, would, I was in my marketing plan, my plan is I would give them a little snippet of social media they could use you know Good to idea. say I'm contributing now here's like, maybe mm-hmm. like a shout out on your page and tagging them or something yeah. too. That'd be great. thank you for sharing your big okay. challenge with us thank you thank you Thanks. this is very helpful all the links we talked about in today's podcast will be in the show notes at socialfeedpodcast.com slash EP66. Make sure to subscribe to the Social Feed Podcast with Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player to get a brand new episode delivered right to you every Wednesday. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week. The Social Feed is a production of Hubbard Interactive with music provided by Minneapolis-based artist John Atwell.